Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And now they're starting their campaign. And once everybody else heard about all those things and what happened at Jericho and what happened at Ai, all of the enemies, all of the Canaanites, all these people groups that are listed here, they're starting to put two and two together. And they're worried. They're scared. And they're thinking to ourselves, if we're going to survive this thing, we've got to band together. Otherwise, we're nothing. We're going to get run over, right? Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob continues today in the book of Joshua, chapter 9, and we see that all the inhabitants of the land began to join forces against Israel. When the Canaanite kings heard how the Lord delivered Jericho to Israel, they had reason to be afraid. When they heard how the Lord gave them victory over Ai, they had reason to be afraid. The Bible says that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. As Christians and students of the Bible, we know that no matter what they do, there is nothing that can defeat our God. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. ...of Israel, which the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. Isn't that wonderful? And so even the little ones, and you think of the great heritage those kids must have had, you know, to, to hear these things over and over again. And again, the impetus is on us parents, you know, to, to share with our kids the truth of the Word of God. And not only that, but what God has done in each of our lives. Don't forsake telling them the wonderful things that God has done in your life. I love recounting some of the things that God had done in my wife and I, in our life, uh, up to this point, and, and sharing them with, with our daughter just to share these awesome and wonderful things. How God, you know, led us, and he did certain things, and, it, and we were nobody special. We were no different than anybody else, and, and, and you have stories like that too. But God is so wonderful in that regard. So let's get into chapter 9. So after this, finally, this victory at Ai, let's just go ahead and... Um, Read it, and we'll get right into it. It says, And it came to pass, when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland, and in all the coasts of the great sea, toward Lebanon, notice the order here, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, 
the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it. It says that they were gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. You see, they understood, they had heard of the victories, not only on the other side of the Jordan, on the east side of the Jordan, they heard about, uh, you know, Heshbon, you know, uh, Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, and how they came and just took control and demolished all those people and those kings on the eastern side. And now they're on the, on the western side of the Jordan, and now they're starting their campaign. And once everybody else heard about all those things and what happened at Jericho and what happened at Ai, all of the enemies, all of the Canaanites, all these people groups that are listed here, they're starting to put two and two together, and they're worried, they're scared, and they're thinking to ourselves, if we're going to survive this thing, we've got to band together, otherwise we're nothing. We're going to get run over, right? And so that's very naturally what people will do. Their only hope for survival was to band together and hope that they could somehow overcome this great army. And they were supposed to. Now, you might want to put off in the margin of your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18, because I find it very interesting, and I don't think it's any coincidence, actually. Let me read it to you. It says, But of the cities... Of these peoples, which the Lord your God gives you here, Moses speaking to the children of Israel under the command of God. But of the cities of these peoples, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. But you shall utterly destroy them. Notice the order, the Hittite the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God commanded you. And here's the reason why. Lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. Now, it's interesting because it's it's almost like this is is causing you to really think about this verse. Uh, In in verse 1 here, it's almost, it's calling out, it's, it's calling to your remembrance this chapter in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18, because the order is the exact same. You'll notice that sometimes the order of things get mixed up, but not so here. It's almost like God is making sure that you understand that when you read this list in verse 1, to go back and remember what it said in Deuteronomy 20, these exact same people groups, in the exact same order, God says, I don't want you to spare any of them. These are the ones that have been engaged in idolatry. You have to take care of them. It was no coincidence. But he goes on in verse 2, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done to Jericho and, and Ai, that they worked craftily, and they went and pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins and, and mended and torn and mended, and old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves, and all the day or I'm sorry, and all the bread of their provision was dry, and it was it was moldy. Now it's it's interesting because as we look up here on the screen, you can see where we are at now. Here is AI where they were. And now they are going to go to Gibeon, which is right over here, even more central. And Gibeon is somewhat central between Jerusalem and um, an Ai, right in the center, kind of to the to the west there here. And and so that's exactly where they were going to go. And this this name Gibeon literally means hill city. It's just a hill city, and it was more fortified and actually more populous than even Ai was. And so in verse 6 it says that they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal, and they said to him and to the men of Israel, 
These men who have uh, come, they're, they're pretenders, they're ambassadors, they're pretending to be ambassadors. And they, they went to Joshua, to the camp at Gilgal, feigning to be from some far country, but really they're just nearby, the, the Gibeonites. So they come to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, and they said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore make a covenant, make a covenant with us. You know, it's very possible that the Gibeonites may have known some of the things that God had commanded them, and, and, and we believe that to be true, because in that same chapter that we were looking at just a few moments ago, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, it says this in verse 10, and maybe the Gibeonites, maybe they heard about this, and maybe they had some hope and thinking that maybe they could be spared. Because it says, when you go to a city to fight against it, then proclaim an offer of peace to it. And it shall be that if they accept your offer of peace and open to you, then all the people who are found in it shall be placed under tribute to you and notice and serve you. Now, if the city will not make peace with you, but war against you, then you shall besiege it. And when the Lord your God delivers it into your hands, you shall strike every male in it with the edge of the sword. So basically, they're hoping that if they go and, and, and try to make peace with the Israelites, that they will be spared. And it's a very natural thing to do. In fact, you and I would do the same thing, because when you're up against these kinds of odds, you will do anything to stay alive, wouldn't you? I mean, if, if the, the camp of Israel, if they were to come to you and say, um, we won't kill you, but we want all the males to, stay, to wear pink clothing, and we want them to stand over, we want them to hop on one foot and, um, you know, and, I don't know, sing, sing a song, you know, and, and just humiliate them. They would have all done it. Because they're like, you know, we don't want to die. We'll do whatever you tell us to do. Desperation. So now they hatch this plan. They hatch the plan. So they're hoping for mercy. It says, then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, notice, these Gibeonites are part of the people group of the Hivites. Does that make sense? So the Hivites are a collection of people, and the Gibeonites are among that group, okay? And that is a group that God says, wipe them completely out, don't have mercy on them. And why is that? Is it just because God is mean? No, it's because they'd been in sin for hundreds of years. They had continued in sin, and now the time was come that they should be judged. And God was going to use the children of Israel as his hammer, in a sense, as his judgment, and so the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? This word covenant is really interesting because it's a covenant or a compact that is made by passing between pieces of flesh. And the idea is that when a covenant is made between two people groups, they would often take an animal and separate the animal in half, and they would pass through those two pieces of flesh. And the idea was, if I break my end of the deal, then this is what I've got coming to me. And this is what's going to happen to me. And I make this covenant with you that I will be true to this covenant. Or else the parting of these animals is what's going to happen to me. And, and so that is the idea of this covenant. So how, shall we make a, how, shall, um, how can we make a covenant with you? And you recall that God did this very same thing with Abraham. You can read it in Genesis 15. Remember when God caused a... Uh, it was at night, and, and God put uh, Abraham to sleep. And he told him to separate these animals and place them down. And it, Abraham went into a deep sleep. And notice the covenant. It wasn't two people passing between those two pieces. Who alone passed between those two pieces? 
it was God alone because Abraham was in a deep sleep and God passed through. In other words, this covenant is unilateral. I'm going to do it, Abraham, regardless of your performance. This is something that I'm going to do. It was an unconditional promise. Unconditional because God alone passed through that those pieces, but Abraham did not. And so going on to verse 7 here, so this is what is meant by this word covenant. So then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? But the problem is they weren't supposed to make a covenant with them at all. I'm going to give you some verses, and I want you to just write these down, and you can check these out because these are important. In fact, I'll read one of them to you, and we'll just skip over the rest, but I'll give you the references. In Exodus chapter 23, Beginning in verse 20, down through 33, and let me just read it to you. Again, uh, this covenant that God had made. He says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice, and do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey my voice and do that all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off, and you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. And down in verse 27 of that, he says, I will send my fear before you, and I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come, and you will make your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. And then down in verse 32, he says this, You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. It's like, how many times does the Lord have to repeat that? And it's, 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 it's important because we're going to be looking at exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. God warns them, tells them not to do this. He says, you shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest, you make, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. And unfortunately, that is the fate of Israel. That's one of the reasons why God had led them into captivity to begin with. That's why the northern ten tribes were taken to Assyria in 722 B.C. That's why the, nor- the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, were taken to captivity in Babylon in 606. And finally, their temple destroyed in 586. That's why, because of idolatry. They didn't root out the enemies. They didn't root out the things, the people, and the land that had committed these great abominations. They lived and they interbred with them and they allowed things to continue. They weren't complete in their obedience to God. And so how important is obedience? It's pretty important. Think of how things would be different had they been obedient. Now, we're not going to go there tonight, but look at Exodus chapter 34. Um, Just write these down, actually. Exodus 34, verses 10 through 16. And also, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It just reiterates the same thing again. The same thing again. God reiterating to them. But notice in verse 8 in our text tonight, but he says, But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you, and where did you come from? And so they said to him, verse 9, From a very far country. Liars. (laughs) They're not telling the truth. 
From a very far country your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. See, they were no dummies. They had heard the events. They had heard the things that had happened. And they're trying to save their necks. And wouldn't she do the same? I don't blame them for trying to hatch this plan. But I'm, you know, it's a good thing they made the covenant with the children of Israel before they discovered this plan because those men would have been killed. And you know, you can count on it whenever or wherever there is a genuine move of God, you can bet that there is going to be resistance and you can bet that there is going to be deception. Whenever there is a move of God, the enemy loves to come in and he loves to deceive and he likes to resist. He likes to bring confusion in anything that is done. You recall when when Israel came back from the captivity uh, in, in Babylon after their 70 years there, remember under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah, It says that when the adversary, and this is recorded for us in Ezra chapter 4, and I'm just going to read the first four verses, because this is what happens when God does a move. Because God is moving to bring his people finally in the summation of his promises into the land. And so just as important as that was, it was also important when God brought them back, you know, um, uh, hundreds of years, you know, forward, fast-forwarding now to where we're at now, hundreds of years they're going to be going into captivity and then coming back into their land. And, and, and they were going to rebuild the temple. And so Ezra in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were rebuilding or were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. Can you see the deceit? The adversaries, they want to join the work. They want to get involved. Sounds pretty similar to what's happening here. The Gibeonites will be your servants. We'll come and we'll help you build. And they came to Zerubbabel and, and, and they said, Let's, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. And we have sacrificed to him since the days of Esar Hayden, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord our God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. And then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah, and they troubled them in building, and they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purposes all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, until even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So there's always going to be resistance. There's always going to be deception involved. Whenever there is a work of God moving, going forward, Anytime there is, there's going to be a counterfeit. There's going to be deception. You see the devil? He is a deceiver. He is a father of lies. Jesus, speaking to the Pharisees, he said to this in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 44, he says, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he does speak a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so this is what happens when there is a move of God. And certainly the people of Israel, this is a really huge thing for them. Coming into the land, the summation of all the promises from hundreds of years. And it's not going to be without wrinkles. It's not going to be without problems and schisms. So in verse 10, back in our text, and all that he did... That they had heard that all that they, they had the children of Israel done to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who were at Ashtaroth. 
Verse 11, therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us. So here these, these guys who are feigning to be ambassadors from this far country, they say that the people back in the far land spoke to us saying, take provisions with you for the journey and go to meet them and say to the Israelites, we are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot on our, from our, for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it's dry and moldy. And these wineskins, which were filled with new, and see, they are torn. And these, our garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. So they're lying between their teeth, telling him this story, feigning to be some ambassador from a far country. And notice verse 14, Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but notice, here's the tragedy. Underline this. But they did not ask counsel of the Lord. They just kind of listened to these guys and thought to themselves, well, that sounds good. They were good actors, and the children of Israel fell for it. These were the enemies that they were supposed to wipe out, every single one of them. And now they've made this peace treaty with them. They took of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. This is what I call the school of hard knocks (laughs) 2.0. Because this is exactly the same thing that happened. You remember when Joshua sent men from Jericho. Remember what it says in Joshua chapter 7? It says they re, they, he sent out spies to Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said, Don't let all the people go up, but only let two or 3,000 go. Do not weary all the people, for the men of Ai are few. They didn't even, there's no mention of them talking to the Lord at all. They didn't, they didn't ask the Lord, Lord, should we go up? And, and when should we go up? What is your plan, Lord? There was no mention of it at all. It's just like, we're on a roll. We've already conquered Jericho. Let's just go forward. And let's just do with minimal, whatever we need to do. Just only do it with a few. Only do it with a few. Don't send everybody in. And see, the lesson of dependence on the Lord was still going to be tough. And the consequences were going to be far-reaching. Because they didn't do this, because they made this covenant with the inhabitants of Gibeon, they would be part of them. The people who they should have destroyed, who served the false gods, now are going to be mingling among the people. And unfortunately, we saw the same thing happening throughout their history, and that's what got them into all the trouble to begin with. And can you imagine it? It only takes a little bit, doesn't it? And then this is, the, this is kind of proof text to the verse, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Because once you start living with the people and you realize, you know, these people aren't so bad, Next thing you know, another, another group of people come in are doing the same thing. Well, you know what? They're not so bad. We'll just destroy half of them, but we'll let the others free. We'll let them stay. Maybe they can, maybe they can comb our hair for us. These guys will be you know, cutting wood and fetching water for us. Maybe we can have them do our manicures or something. Maybe they can serve us. But you remember David. This is one of the wonderful things I love about David, his dependence on the Lord. We're not going to go there and read the whole thing, but in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 17 through 25, David, early in his reign, remember, he goes up to the Philistines, and David inquired of the Lord in verse 19 of that chapter, and he says, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand, Lord? And the Lord said to David, Go up. I will doubtless deliver them into your hand. And so David goes up, and the very next, uh, it wasn't long after that, that the Philistines came in the same place again, and David naturally would think, well, let's just do the same thing we did before. Because God wanted it. He told us he was going to root out the Philistines. we already victorious doing it one time. Let's just do it again. Let's just repeat it. But David, I love this about him. He didn't just rely on that. It says, therefore David inquired of the Lord again. 
And he said, you shall not go up. God told him, don't go up, David, this time like you did before. Instead, circle around behind them and come upon them in front and uh, come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. So the battle plan was completely different. What would have happened if David had not, ob- not obeyed? And see, this is exactly what prayer is all about. This is what prayer is. We, we, we can get so independent, and we can think that just because we've done something and we're successful before, that we can just do it again the exact same way, and God has to bless it because it was... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.